the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, happy tax day, everyone. It is April 15th, and just a fun fact for you, today is my mom's birthday as well. So, mama, if you're listening, happy birthday. I'm sure I will give you a call later on and say that in person as well. Uh, Being April 15th, though, it means we are a week away from Easter. We are a week away from Easter. I know a lot of you guys have been praying, you've been planning, you're prepping. I'm believing God for great things for you and your church this Easter. Man, I cannot wait to hear all the stories of the life change that happens this Sunday as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Not only did he die for our sins, but he rose again, proving that he is alive, that he is powerful, that he is God, that everything that he says goes. And so he is worthy for us to worship him, to trust him. And uh, as we trust in this message of who he is, his goodness, his grace, his love, Man, it really changed our lives, doesn't it? And so as church leaders, I hope you're celebrating even before this great event because the reality is we get to celebrate the gospel, the resurrection every single day. Uh, We know that our salvation comes through faith, by grace alone, and Jesus is alive working in us and we get to have that fellowship with His Spirit every single day. And so as you're relying on His Spirit to preach His message, I'm just praying that God would bring forth fruit in your church, that it would be a blessing, and uh, man, that that many lives would change. And honestly, Easter is a really important still day in our holiday to remember this, to preach this. I know a lot of church planners and friends out there are planning to uh, launch their Sunday services with this momentum because in our culture, a lot of people still don't know what Easter is about, but they'll obviously go to an Easter service if you invite them. And so, man, may the Lord go before you and may he uh, just work on the hearts of the people you're ministering to. May they may they just see life changed by the Holy Spirit. Oh, so pumped for Easter. So we're a week away and man, I just, I just can't wait uh, to see and to hear all what God does. Well, on today's episode, we're talking about having a leadership development pipeline. Uh, leadership development pipeline. As people are getting saved, they well, we don't just do evangelism. We want them to grow and develop in the gospel, to mature in their relationship with God. And, and many of these people that um, are going to be coming and getting saved this Easter, have you thought about this? They could be your replacement. They can actually be pastoring a church. So you could be training them and raising them up and we're to make disciples. And so we have to think about what is that process? What does that look like? And so I actually was able to discuss this topic with my good friend, Pilgrim Benham over in Bradenton, Florida. He pastors Shoreline Church and actually wrote his first book called Five Ships. I'll put the link in the memo. You can feel, feel, feel free to grab that. It's only $4.99, I think, right now. Uh, just a great story form book about a leadership development. Uh, and, and do you have a pipeline and what that looks like? And so I thought it would be cool. I thought it would be beneficial for us uh, to listen, for me to sit down and for us to listen to an interview about that subject with him. And so I hope you enjoy this interview with my friend Pilgrim Benham. 
Well, hey everyone, I'm here with my good friend Pilgrim Benham, and uh, I'm excited to you to talk about pipeline uh, leadership development and the process of how we do that as church leaders and um, in ministry. But before we get into our topic, Pilgrim, could you just explain a little bit about uh, your life ministry and what's up with your life? Yeah, yeah. Um, life is good, man. We're a church planter in Bradenton, Florida. Um, we uh, just had our three-year anniversary as a church. It's yeah. pretty crazy. And uh, today, as this video is being recorded, is the two-year anniversary of me being full-time at the church. So, wow. yeah, it's pretty, pretty awesome. That's amazing. So. Yeah, That's life is cool. good. Uh, married to Jen, I have Aiden in London, two kids. It's great. Yep. Yeah. And as we speak, my wife is hanging out with your wife. My kids are hanging out with your kids. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty awesome to not only get your wisdom and your advice and uh, those type of things, but also just hang out with your man and be a friend. Yeah. So it's good I'm time. excited to talk to you about uh, leadership development and really a, a pipeline of leadership development to develop leaders. Uh, in the church because you wrote recently wrote a book about this and so can you explain to me what uh, how would you define a pipeline or a leadership development process um, where you would call it a pipeline yeah sure well so the problem that a lot of us have in ministry um, is that that there is no game plan right yeah. so we we just kind of assume that hey I'm pastoring a church that's good enough I just teach the Bible and that's sufficient and and I wouldn't disagree if you're teaching the Bible that's a great Great place to start. Yep. But a lot of us don't have a game plan of what it looks like to then disciple leaders, to train leaders, to kind of have some type of a game plan. When you walk onto a football field, the coach, even if it's a bad game plan, he's got a game plan. Yeah. You know what I mean? He knows who's playing what position, where, and when he knows who's behind that quarterback at the second string, third string. And so this is the play we're running, and this is who the ball is going to. And just that sim simple of a plan, um, coaches are able to win ball games. So I think pastors need to consider what does that look like for the future of this church? Mm -hmm. Maybe transition, uh, pastoral transition. We should all be thinking that even if it's our first year of ministry, what's this look like in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years? Uh, if you're older in ministry and you're ramping down, what does yeah. it look like in five years? So we've got to start thinking now, not later, not when we're dead, not when uh, we've, we've already decided to retire. We've got to like, have a game plan now of who we're going to be raising up and training. And what does that game plan look like? So basically it's a game plan of like who is next. Uh, it's funny that you use a sport illustration like football, like game plan. I always think of like a pipeline like baseball. Because there's major leagues, but there's also minor leagues. There's like, right. I think it's triple A, double A, single A. Like, yeah. it's a long yeah. group. And everyone wants to get to the major leagues. But the way that we develop is say, hey, first, you know, we're going to scout you. You're going right. to play college ball. Then you're going to do, you know, minor leagues. And you're going to do major leagues. And um, in, the, in the baseball world, that's their pipeline to get to the starting lineup and to right. make difference and to get W's and stuff like that. And, and so it's a process. And so explain to us for the church, not just a sports illustration, but why is a process so important for the church? And maybe some of the damage that if we don't have a process or a pipeline, what could that look like? Yeah, well, and, and that's where I think a lot of people are at is there is yeah. no there is no process. And so what invariably happens is you've got guys who feel called to ministry but there's no one investing in them. There's no one taking the time to say, here's the path that, that I see you on. What ends up happening is that it becomes almost like, hey, here's a carrot I'm gonna dangle in front of you. And in the next 20 years, you could be me. You know, you yeah. could be, this could be yours, you know. Um, but, but there's not a personal investment. So that guy may be 
he may be gifted, he may be called, but maybe he's not strong theologically. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's another guy who has the doctrine down, but the guy does not know how to speak publicly. Yeah. Maybe he has both of those, but he's not good socially, can't even, you know, has no friends and he's not a guy worthy of following. So I think the big part of it is saying, okay, here's what we're going to do and I'm going to take the initiative to help guide you along instead of just figure it out. And what happens, the problem, you said, what, what can happen wrong is that guys will grow discouraged when yep. there's no planning, when there's no vision. Mm -hmm. We know the verse, right? When there's no vision, people perish. Um, and, and I think you, you've got to be able to lay this out for people and say, I'm going to come alongside you and guide you. You know, 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says to the church in Corinth, you guys have a lot of, of um, people in your life that have instructed you. You know, tons, 10,000 instructors, but you don't have any spiritual fathers. And yeah. so I think that's not on us to find a spiritual father. It's on us to begat spiritual children by pouring into guys who need to be developed. So Yeah, and so clearly this is something passionate you're about. How have you implemented this, uh, not on a church level, but just personally as a pastor that wants to develop other pastors, church planners, leaders, um, and the, the stuff that God has given you? How have you personally, yeah. you know, poured that in and just had a generous bidder to develop other leaders. Yeah, so I think, you know, it all starts with um, what is my own calling? What is my own um, lane? What's my capacity to kind of handle? Yeah. Um, some guys are high capacity leaders that can handle, you know, movements or they can handle leading, you know, a staff of hundreds or, or dozens. Mm -hmm. um, they can plant several churches. And so I think, first of all, know you, know who you are in yep. Christ, know your calling. But I think you, um, what I've done is just immediately identify guys around me where I sense a call. They may, they may communicate that to me, and that's, that's okay, you're, you're communicating that to your pastor. You have a sense of a call. All right, yeah. well, I'll pray about it. Uh, or, or guys that I just ob observe, okay, they're in the community, they're effective, um, they're, they're rough around the edges, but I see something here. And, and that was done in my life. There were people that saw that gifting even where I was timid and, and kind of, you know, the shy kid. Mm -hmm. This is a gift this kid has. Let's invest in him. And so I think, I think that's where we start is the people right around us. Um, who around us can we start investing in and start um, spending some time with? So like Proverbs 27 says, and this is speaking of a, of a shepherd, but we are called under shepherds, right? Yeah, absolutely. But Proverbs 27 says, know well the condition of your flocks. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to your herds. One day, you know, they'll provide goat's milk for you and your children. And so I, I take that um, and say, okay, as a shepherd, I can apply that to our, our, you know, sheep. I should know the condition of our flocks. I should know where people are at. So if you're watching this or listening to this and you have no one in your life, you're like that, our staff or our, our crew, it's just me as a church planner. I've, I've got, you know, 10 guys, 20 guys, but none of these guys are leadership potential. I would say, um... I don't know. I would question that. I'd really start praying because I don't think the Lord's put you in a place where there's zero possibility, zero chance, you yeah. know, of, of a guy being uh, at least called to be a better husband, called to be a better Christian, you know, who can, who can grow in their sanctification. And so that's kind of where the five ships idea came from. Yeah. And I like that because it gives us handlebars because, you know, some of these people may not even be pastors, senior pastors, the right. guy and boss, uh, maybe we're just in charge of a certain ministry or, um, you know, a certain area or just a leader in our family. And the reality is, is we can always influence other people right. and to be able to identify, to be intentional. One thing I love using is that um, sort of acronym I see in you. 
And so we have to actually see in people. And so that could be some of the most powerful things that we can do to invest mm-hmm. in other people is just be intentional and believe in them and say, hey, man, I see in you, you're really loving. Or you have that gift of hospitality or mm-hmm. you have that gift of service. Have you considered this? And many times when you're looking for something, um, the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to give that encouragement and to really um, minister in that way. And to, you know, if you're looking, God gives you, uh, you know, a team. And even if it's one, two, uh, 20, 200, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, God will be able to let you do those things that he's called you to do and you to see in that capacity. Yeah. And so what we want to do now is uh, sort of get into that process, these five ships, and talk about um, how do we start? How do we raise up leaders? Where does it start and what is the process? And so um, what are those five ships and uh, your sort of process and how you're organizing them and teaching people? Sure. Yeah. Let me walk you through them. So the five ships basically um, is a way that I've been able to take the flock, you know, that I'm supposed to know well the condition of, yeah. and kind of said, okay, uh, this is where every single person in our church is at. Everyone in our church is in one or more of these ships, so to speak. And it's basically five words that all end with ship. So um, this is not necessarily for everyone. I don't know if... Um, it, it should work with whether the church is uh, a brand new church plant, a Bible study, uh, a mega church. It should work at any level. But I understand some people may look um, at categorizing things differently. The, the most important thing is that you're, you're able to identify where someone is at and what resources they need to take them to the next level. That's yeah. the whole point. It's about next steps in the process because yeah. the pipeline is that flow, that next step to get them to somewhere else. Yeah, I've seen one... Um, one leadership training that says, you know, first you need to lead yourself, then you need to lead others, then you need to lead a team, then you need to lead teams of teams. And so that's yeah. one, you know, way of looking at it. But so the five ships basically um, are, are categorized this way. Um, relationship, mm-hmm. uh, discipleship, yep. ownership, stewardship, and then leadership. So the idea is that if I have a relationship with Jesus, now I should be following Jesus right? Mm-hmm. Then I should be taking ownership of my walk with Jesus. And then I should be being a good steward of my walk with Jesus over a long period of time. And then thus people want to follow me and I'm a leader of, of other people. So that's yeah. kind of like the, the quick rundown of, of each one of them. That's awesome. So let's dive deeper into that. Okay. And let's talk about these ships in the first ship, relationship, um, identifying people that you influence that may not even be believers and sort of they need a relationship with Jesus. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, in the book, I kind of lay out that um, when we talk about relationship, um, we're saying basically, um, I the statement is, I am in a right relationship with Jesus and others. Hmm. So can we say that about everyone in our church, yeah. that they're in a right relationship with Jesus and others? You're looking out on a Sunday morning and there's that couple living together. And you're knowing, okay, they're in a right, re- well, they're in a relationship, right? Yeah. <laughs> with each other, but they're not in a right relationship with each other if they're following Christ. Um, and, and so how do, we, how do we make that right? Well, obviously at that level, we want to make sure that people uh, hear the gospel, they know the gospel. I think in any of our contexts, we should be welcoming to unbelievers. Yeah. And I like to say, you're here today, you're hearing the gospel, you're not a believer yet. And I always throw that word yet in there as a sign of hope. You know, there's hope as I present the gospel. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we, we know this as church planners, as missionaries, we're intentional with our relationships. Yeah. Matt Chandler said it at one point, 
to his neighbor, he said, hey, I'm a Christian, so and I'm a pastor, so at what point are we going to have that conversation? Is it going to be now? Is it going to be later? So we need to be very intentional in the relationships we're building. Yeah. Um, and, and every aspect of that relationship, not in a goofy way, but in a very sincere way, it should always be how can I point this person to Christ, to know Christ in and through my life and through my lips. Yeah, know? and so how, as uh, uh, you as a leader of a church, how have you sort of, um, steered your church to be in relation with non-believers, to preach the gospel, to evangelize, and just to, to make that first step. Because one of the things I always tell my team is we need to look at those people in our neighbors, people that are in our community that may not even be saved yet. Right. How do I get them to be taking over the church, to be a pastor, to be an elder, a deacon, uh, someone to walk with God, and yeah. nothing is impossible with God. Right. You know, we look at examples like Paul, and we see, man, he is a great example because anything could happen with God and we want to disciple people and, and win them over first. And so what are ways that you do that for your church? Yeah, well, I think that's a great question. I think what often uh, happens is people come to church um, almost expecting to form a relationship with the pastor who he's the paid minister. So let me get him to come to my office. Let me get, let me get the pastor. Let me just bring my friend to church and the pastor will do the ministry work. He'll do yeah. the evangelizing. Uh-huh. We give space for that. So there is an, like a, a time of response, and I do preach the gospel when I, when I teach on Sundays, mm-hmm. um, but church for us is for the believer. So what we do is a Sunday morning is to equip, and the purpose of our gathering is to equip the saints. Yeah. It's not necessarily for evangelism. That's when we scatter out from the church gathering and there's, there's evangelism and mission. But, okay. um, but so if the church is coming to be equipped, I need to equip them and what that looks like. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's, uh, it can be super practical to the extent of who are the people, start praying through the people that are in your circle of influence. Mm-hmm. You know, so in a city like us, in Bradenton, we're south of Tampa, you've got Lakewood Ranch as a new community, you've got Bradenton, you've got Sarasota, and there's no way that, that, that we as a church community are able to impact every single person, but we can impact the people right in front of us. And yeah. so I did a sermon recently, and the, the point at the end was like, start with one. So who is one person we can be praying for and begin reaching out to in a very specific way? And so just, just equipping the church to do that, yeah. um, to, to know how to share your testimony. What do I say? You know, um, do I pray for someone? Uh, and just kind of those practical things I think is important. Um, we, we also, at every Sunday service, we try uh, to invite people to know Jesus. Yeah. And then we have um, some materials to give them. We have a start class for new believers. Hmm. We have regular baptisms where we're emphasizing the gospel uh, and the need to you know, be transformed by it. So in our gatherings, that happens. And I think the church is equipped enough to, you know, to go out and, and evangelize on their own. Yeah. And then so once the evangelism, the yes to Jesus and the relationship starts, not only with Jesus, but with others, um, then there's discipleship. And so what does that look like in this process? Okay, I said yes to Jesus. I'm, I'm now born again. I'm, I'm trying to follow God and be right. What does discipleship look like? What well, does that mean? Well, that's, a great, that, that's what we should turn to the camera and say, what does discipleship look like, right? Yeah. Because, you know, Alan Hirsch said, if we get this wrong, if we get discipleship wrong, we get everything wrong. Yeah. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and make converts. Go into all the world and, and plant churches, though I think planting churches is the most effective means of discipleship and evangelism. But he didn't say that. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. So if we stop thinking about planting churches or sending missionaries 
and start thinking, how can we make disciples of all the nations? Yeah. How can we make disciples in our neighborhood, in our city, in our you know, rural part of Texas? How, how do we do that? And so I think the how is really important. The why is already there. We do it because we've been commissioned to do it. Yep. Um, the, the what, I think, can be defined in a variety of ways. So I'm not really as interested in the what, like, mm-hmm. well, what do we do? That, that varies from person to person. I love, uh, I love different books like Francis Chan, um, uh, David Platt, they've written great books on discipleship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we happen to like one called Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders, which yep. kind of calls some people into you know, a deeper walk. Obviously, there's the cost of discipleship. There's lots of great books out there. So the what isn't as concerning to me as the, um, as the um, how. How is this going to happen? Well, it's not going to happen on accident. They're not going <laughs> to disciple themselves. Now, I was sitting with a, uh, a guy the other day, and he said he's been a Christian for 20 years. He's been a part of several churches and even in leadership, and no one's ever discipled him. Hmm. I'm like, if we look in the New Testament and we start looking through everyone who, who lived a fruitful uh, you know, life in Christ, I can't find one example except for one of anyone that was like a standout in the kingdom that didn't have someone else investing in them. You mentioned Paul. Yeah. Paul had Barnabas seeking him out after he was kind of sent back to Tarsus. And then right? Paul did the same thing with Timothy and actually exhorted Timothy. Now you do that to other people. Right, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Uh-huh. The one standout I can find is John the Baptist. Like, I don't see anyone investing in him, but Jesus kind of says, if you're the least in the kingdom, you're greater than him. So, you know, yeah. I think it's an important thing that, that we take the initiative to invest in others and we find them and we disciple them. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. Discipleship is one of those things where you need to ask and be clear, what does it mean to be a fully mature disciple? Whether that means to make other disciples, to walk in the ways of Jesus. But we as leaders need to communicate that, wrestle through that, pray, and ask the Lord, what does that look like? Because we have the why, but the what, we really need dependence on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and, and often that's, that comes down to like apprenticeship. You can't really see a difference in the scripture between following Jesus and, 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 a, and a modern day apprentice. It's the same thing. It's let me, let me teach you and show you how to do this. And so that is on us to call men alongside us to follow Jesus. Yeah. So after discipleship, there's ownership. What does ownership mean to you? Yeah. So uh, do you own your house? I do. Okay. So I rent my house. Okay. All right. So let's just draw this as a distinction. So I, I have a management company that owns my house mm-hmm. and it's kind of nice since I don't need to worry about them selling it. But, but I signed a lease and with that lease agreement was they're going to do everything maintenance wise except for air filters and, and lights. Right. So if a light goes out, I've got to change it. That's so nice. That's right. Great. I don't have to mow the lawn. I don't have to do pest control. Everything else is taken care of. So when the roof leaks, um, I'm not worried about the condition of the roof for the next purchase. I'm just worried, is it leaking? I, I'm not really that invested in this home, right? Yeah. I just want it to work for me. Mm-hmm. So think about how different my mindset is versus your mindset. There's a leak in your roof. You're not thinking, let's patch it up. You're, you know, so there's no leaking in our house. You're thinking, yeah. oh no, this is gonna come out of my equity long-term. I gotta replace the roof. How much is it gonna cost me? Yep. So there's a different mindset between owning and renting. Ownership means I am taking ownership of my walk with Jesus and I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not pushing responsibility on anyone. Mm, so I'm going to take ownership for my walk with Jesus, my thought life, my marriage, you know, my children, my parenting, um, my, my job, my neighborhood. So every this is my church. It's not the church I go to that does this for me. And so it's just a, a mindset shift yeah. and, and it's not quick. And so at the ownership level, what I encourage pastors to do 
um, is you you almost you almost give the keys and say, okay, now this is in your court. Uh -huh. I want to see how you do with this. Yeah. You're kind of giving them examples. So this is where the importance of not just a discipleship class, mm -hmm. but one-on-one. -on -one. You've got to okay. not just be taught it, it has to be caught. Yeah. Right? So I got to see other guys living in the context of a 20-year marriage to really grasp, oh, that's what this looks like. I'm being, I'm being a wimp. I'm completely abdicating my role as a husband to, this, to my wife. I don't see these other godly men doing that. So now I'm going to take ownership as I see them. So a lot of this step is in community, you mm -hmm. know, seeing what that looks like and then kind of like adopting some of those best practices in my own walk. Yeah, because in our discipleship, you know, we talk about to make disciples of Jesus and um, to observe his commandments. And so classes, books, those things are helpful. Uh, but you're saying in ownership, man, that's going to flesh out in a more even personalized way of one-on-one, -on -one, not only being taught, but caught, seeing someone else's life, having them influence and yeah. going back and forth, asking questions, those things, yeah. ownership, that's amazing. Yeah, and, and the cool thing is it's very tailored to the person. So yeah. relationship with Jesus is straightforward, Disciple, follow Jesus, but now we're gonna tailor this discipleship track this pipeline to you. So let's say you're a guy who's got a really strong doctrinal background, yep. but you're just not a relational guy. Yeah. Well, then ownership for you is going to be getting involved in the community so that we can see how you're doing with other Christians. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you're bubbly, friendly, uh -huh. but man, you don't even know the difference between Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, you're like, you don't even <laughs> yeah. know what the Trinity is. Like, I heard of that. Yeah. So that's going to be, okay, dude, I've got some doctrinal books, some theology, some commentaries. I, I want you to, to digest this, maybe write a paper. Yeah. So I'm pouring into you in an area that's specific for you. It might be a family thing, man. You got to own up at home. You've got to, you've got to be the high priest of your home. Take yeah. some leadership at home and here's how to do that. And so it really is customized to the person at this point. And that's great because it, it, it sounds like you have to have a lot of mentorship and uh, humility and just growth and it, it's relational. Uh, it's going on to still build on that relationship with Jesus, that discipleship growing. But now you're sort of, you know, letting people own it. And it sort of leads to the next ship is stewardship. Yeah. And so define stewardship for us real quick. So stewardship is saying I'm being a good steward of what I've been given, right? Yeah. So ownership is saying I'm taking ownership finally. I'll own up to it. Stewardship is taking that next level and saying now over a long period of time, uh -huh. I'm going to be faithful in little and then faithful over more. So you see that principle all throughout the scripture. Jesus yeah. lays this out. If you're faithful in little, you're faithful over more. So um, what happens a lot of times is we see someone as pastors who expresses a gift. And so what do we do? We put them right in ministry, right? And so, okay, here you go. And I've been guilty of it. We, we lay yeah. hands too quickly on people uh -huh. without having them being proven. And yet you see all through the New Testament, this need for being proven. You know, yeah. Paul says to Timothy in that verse, 2 Timothy 2.2, entrust you know, the, hey, the gift that was given to you, um, safeguard it, right? So there's this idea of you've been given a trust. Mm -hmm. And as a steward, what are you going to do with that trust? So I've got to make sure I've got guys that have been proven, they're trustworthy. They're going to take that and they're, they're going to do something good with it. They're not going to bury it like the, the parable Jesus told, right? Yeah. They just bury it away and did nothing with it. They're going to be faithful over a long period of time, observable, given feedback, where we step in and say, okay, you're blowing it. We give them opportunities to blow it. It's okay to blow it. Yeah. But let's learn from the, the, the mistake and let's see how we can improve it for next time. And so stewardship is almost like if you think of ownership, it's the start of you building that character. You're owning it. But stewardship is that process of 
continually owning it, being faithful, building that character. Because right. before we have someone in leadership in that process, yes, they need to know Jesus, they need to be discipled, yeah. they need to own it, but they need to just grow and mature in that. Mm-hmm. Many people have a calling, but they don't have the character to back it. Right. And that's why we see in First Timothy that it's so important to have that character. And stewardship is one of those things where you just, you walk with people, you test them, you try them out. Yeah. And then when they're able to go and approve of that test and that faithfulness and integrity, then it's finally leadership. And so describe to me leadership, bro. Yeah, so this is where we step back in and say, okay, you've been faithful over this amount of time. Uh, before we raise up elders, we would want them to be deacons first. Yep. Right, so they've been tested over a period of time and then they're put into, um, we we're already affirming, right, what they're already doing. We're not saying you need to be an elder now and you're, you, this is a whole new job description, right? This yeah. is what you're already doing. So leadership is saying, You've been doing these things, walking with Jesus, taking ownership of, of your life, and you're being a good steward of it. Because of that, people want to follow you. Right? Yeah. So the one thing every leader has in common, whether it's in, in church, in sports, in business, in any industry, the one thing every leader has is, in common is followers. Yep. Right? So uh, what we're saying is you're worthy of following. Now we know that none of us are perfectly worthy, but Paul says to, uh, to the Corinthian church, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. That's leadership. Hey, I'm calling people alongside me to follow me as I follow Christ. So if, if we're able to step back in at this point, then we're saying, okay, I've got an, now an opportunity for you, mm-hmm. right? It's just very simple. Here's your opportunity. You've made some mistakes in the past. I'm gonna, we're gonna revisit that, but they've been faithful. They've been doing good. Maybe you gave them um, a, a Sunday school class or a, a Bible study to lead and they, they did well with it. It was, it was well attended. You gave them feedback. At this point you go, okay, you've been faithful and little. Yeah. I'm gonna be a faithful steward and I'm gonna give you faithfulness over more, mm-hmm. right? That's how the Lord works in our life. So we're gonna give them, um, we're gonna be the Lord's grace-filled catalyst to allow um, that person more responsibility, yeah. right? Under the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And again, if they blow it, then we pull back. All right, let's, let's, let's learn. Let's try again. Um, maybe it's, a, it's an epic fail. We can't, you're not called, right? We got to move on. Let's get a different idea of what your giftings are. But often it's going to be like, yes, I affirm that. Now let's give you some more opportunities. And so this is helpful for you because you wouldn't put anyone in leadership unless they first were good stewards, had that character and quality. Right. And then you wouldn't put anyone in leadership if, unless they were, you know, uh, owned their sin, owned their discipleship, right. took on responsibility, or was a disciple of Christ. Maybe people are following them, but yet they're not following Jesus. And they don't even have a relationship with him and, right. and those type of things. And so how has this whole uh, process helped you as a leader um, develop other leaders. Yeah, I mean, well, what it's done is it's allowed me to walk onto the field, understanding that I'm 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 fighting an opponent, right? Yeah. And now I know what I'm doing, right? I'm not just walking and going, how are we going to get to the end zone, uh-huh. right? I, I know now when I look at everyone in the church, they're going to be identifiable instead of just this question mark over every believer. What do I do with them? Where do I start with them? What content do they need? Now I can say, oh, they're not a Christian yet. Here's what we need to do. Oh, this person is a believer, um, but they're not being discipled. We need to disciple them. This person's uh, needing more time to be proven. Oh, this guy is ready. And so now I need to start formally training him in some specific way. So it it frees you up. And really we should be spending time as pastors in leadership development. It's not something we sub out to Bible college, seminary. It's something we have the responsibility to do. And this Mm -hmm. allows you to do it in a straight, straightforward, simple way. 
Yeah, I love that. It's it's simple. It's straightforward. It's a process that you use. Like you said, there's other language. It's semantics. But our job as pastors is to develop other people. Our job as Christians is to be other-centered and disciple people. And I love that about this whole system. It's so other-centered. It's identifying where people are at and loving them. Yeah. If they don't know Jesus, love them. Preach the gospel. If they if they do know Jesus, preach the gospel again and have them grow. Disciple right. them. Or, yeah. you know what? I see in you, you have some development. You need to own this. Or, you know what? Let me walk with you and, and, and develop this whole, you know, stewardship thing. Or, you know what, bro? We're going to recognize what you're already doing. You are now a leader because God is clearly working in you. And so mm-hmm. it, it makes the stress off of like, my vision and my church and what I have to do and stuff to just be like, Lord, how do I love these people? This is where they're at. Here's their next step. And so what what final words or any last encouragement that you would want to give to us as leaders, whether it would be uh, over a ministry, children's ministry, uh, a lead pastor, church planner, like just we want to make leaders and develop and have a pipeline and just and develop other people. Any last word of encouragement for us as we go and do this? Yeah, I would speak to two different people. Okay. All right. So the first person would be the the pastor who you're not sure you know what to do with your church you're not sure how to raise up leaders um, I, I would first address you um, I think it's important to um, spend some time in prayer yeah. and just ask the Lord hey Lord would you please just reveal to me by your spirit through your word like those those people in our church that that I can spend some time with and invest in and and you know a lot of us have our different views about discipleship, but the, the reality is the person who's doing discipleship poorly, at least they're doing it, right? So, so get out there. I encourage you, you know, spend some time with your, the people in your church. Sunday morning's not discipleship, right? It's, it's got to be deeper than that and beyond that. And so if all you can do is invest in a few, great. Jesus had thousands following him. He invested in 12 you can do it and, and even in the 12 he had the three yeah. that he really focused on so i would encourage you as a pastor to just take that that prayerful next step and find a guy it's not up to them to find you and ask will you disciple me you've got to be the one to take them and say hey i've been praying for you can i meet with you i almost want to guarantee that i'd be shocked if they said no 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 yeah. pastor i don't want you to spend time investing in me they're gonna yeah. say yes so take that chance obviously guys with guys gals with gals that's just wisdom um, if your husband and wife do it with a couple that's fine yeah. um, and then I want to address the other person watching this or listening yeah um, this is someone who you're frustrated you're stuck you're wanting to be invested in you're underneath someone in, in leadership who's not investing in you and you're feeling like maybe I need to move on maybe it's time I've been given this carrot I've been given this ministry uh, like opportunity 20 years from now um, I just want to encourage you to pray for your leadership, to pray that God would speak to them, show them this video. No, um, <laughs> you know, I would really encourage you not to plant yourself, right? I'm going to uproot myself and try to plant myself. I would, I would encourage you to, to be faithful where you're at and entrust yourself to the Lord. So Lord, I'm going to yeah. believe you to see this need that I have. You look at Hannah in the Old Testament. She's got this need. She's longing. She's pouring it out before the Lord. And as she's doing that, that's when um, I, I really believe God like turned everything around. So, um, in those those desperate prayers, you know God hears. And so, just want to encourage you, you know, don't lose heart uh, and don't grow weary in doing good. The Lord can use this season of testing and difficulty to yeah. challenge you. But but don't don't um, don't hold back. Like if your pastor brings things up, you be willing to ask questions. Be willing to say, Hey, I, I'm ready to go to the next level. It doesn't always happen perfectly where we invest in the guys that we're raising up. Sometimes we do have to ask, 
hey, will you spend some time helping me? I had to do that in my context. I love my pastor, but I had to go to him and say, can you help disciple me and get me to the next level? And he said, I would love to. Yeah. And here I am today. So just want to encourage you guys with that. That's awesome. Well, man, thanks so much for talking to us about uh, Leadership Pipeline. And we pray that you would have some type of process where you can intentionally develop other leaders uh, and be a blessing to make disciples of Jesus. Well, Pilgrim also hosted a local conference in that area where I was able to speak. Uh, and it was just super encouraging being there, seeing young uh, men and women wanting to serve Jesus, wanting to be developed and sort of giving them opportunity uh, how to hear the Lord's calling in their life and really pour into them to develop uh, them to take that next step in leadership. And while we were there, Pilgrim did this really cool thing called Five by Five. He had five guys, uh, ministry people on video, share for five minutes about a leadership principle or ministry or something that was helpful. And man, Daniel Fusco killed it. He he uh, gave this this video about expectations that I thought was so so good. I wanted to share with you guys and so I asked Pilgrim hey can you share that with me send it over and he said yeah of course and so we're about to play for you but before um, uh, you listen to this Daniel Fusco I met back in 2011 at a church planning training conference uh, that I was a part of and um, he currently is now the lead pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver Washington sort of my old stomping grounds Washington State and so he just has a great heart uh, to expand God's kingdom I'm known him serving in multiple uh, churches. He actually planted church, two churches and then transitioned to take over a church in Vancouver. And God's just been blessing and he's just having so much fun being able to pour into people to develop them. And uh, man, just to give uh, words of encouragement and to invest in other leaders. And so I'm really grateful for his investment into me even many years ago, right before I planted Redemption Church. And uh, this video is just really, really great to be able to uh, glean from his wisdom. And so here is Daniel Fusco's one piece of advice video about obstacles for planning, obstacles in ministry. Even though it's for church planners, I'm telling you, it can apply to all of us. Enjoy. You're listening to One Piece of Advice, brought to you by eeleaders.com, a ministry to encourage and equip church leaders. What's happening, church planners? Daniel Fusco here. I'm lead pastor at Crossroads Community Church. We have campuses in Vancouver, Washington, and Portland, Oregon. Before I got to Crossroads, though, I was what you guys would call a serial church planner. I planted a church in my native state of New Jersey, and then also two churches in the San Francisco Bay Area, one in Marin County, and the other one in the north end of San Francisco. And since I've been up here at Crossroads, we've set out a number of church planners, we've launched campuses, all sorts of stuff going on. So I wanna talk with you real briefly about how to overcome obstacles. And so I just wanna give you a couple of big things. First, you need to expect obstacles. This is important. Listen, if God's called you to plant a church, you know that it's gonna be hard. So you should go into every single day, every single season of life and as a church planner, you should expect that there's gonna be obstacles. You know why? Because that's what church planning is all about. I tell people all the time, you're learning this right now, that when Jesus calls someone to go plant a church, he loves you enough to kill you. So all these obstacles that you're running into, this is God's way of conforming you to be more like Jesus. So you should expect obstacles. And when you expect it, it shouldn't catch you by surprise. I think too often we have this, this idea that's a misconception that when you step on out, 
that everything's just gonna open up like a spring flower and everything's gonna blossom and be beautiful. But when you think about it realistically, you should expect obstacles. So they shouldn't take you by surprise. The work of ministry in any generation, and especially this day and age, it's gonna have obstacles all over it. So go into it, expect those obstacles. Now, if you expect the obstacles, then you should be prepared for the obstacles. You need to have your heart together. You shouldn't be surprised that this is, don't think for one second that Satan's just gonna let you plant the church and all these people get saved and all these people get strengthened and be turned and deployed into the world and the work of ministry without a fight. So if you expect obstacles, you should be prepared for it. What is your game plan for dealing with the obstacles? I think this is a huge thing. Too often, we don't expect them, so we don't prepare for them. But if you expect them and you prepare for them, then guess what? We own obstacles, which means obstacles become leverage for us to take more ground. See, when you know you're gonna get an obstacle, it's like a football player. A football player who's a running back, he expects to get hit if he's got the ball. You're a running back. You expect to get hit, you prepare, why? Because you've been training. You know that if you get hit, you know how to deal with it. But really, the best athletes, the best church players are ones who they own that obstacle to give them more leverage to push harder and further and faster than they did before. And so as a church player, because you're gonna get obstacles if you're prepared for them, you wanna leverage those obstacles to see the gospel run forth. Now, I know it sounds really simple. You're like, oh, Fusco, that sounds so easy. Uh, but you know that every single day you have to re-up on your commitment for doing what you're doing. The first church I planned, I was there for five years, raised up leader, turned it over. Next church, I was there for almost five years, raised up pastor, turned it over. And the church in the city, I was there for almost two years. And even now at Crossroads, I have to expect obstacles, I'm prepared for them, and I wanna own them and let them be leveraged to push us forward. So I just wanna encourage you, no matter what's going on in the church plant, God is working, He is not done working yet, and don't forget, that you should not be weary in doing good, knowing that in due season, you will reap if you do not lose heart. Don't let obstacles cause you to lose heart. Let those obstacles drive you to have a greater heart to serve harder and more for the Lord, and God will do amazing things. God bless you guys. Well, church planners, like, they're my heroes. I just, I just love them. They're risky. They're out there. They just want the gospel to be preached. And uh, I know many of them are launching Sunday services this Sunday because it's Easter. And if you are one of them, just know that we are praying for you. We are excited that more churches are coming uh, to existence because as people are planting churches, they're spreading seed of the gospel. They're sharing the power of the resurrection, the transformation that Jesus brings. And so I'm not only praying for the church planners that are launching this Sunday, but I'm praying for you, whether you be preaching the message or the lead pastor or the teacher, or maybe you're working with kids or uh, ushering, greeting, leading a team, whatever it may be. It's so cool to be a part of a team that magnifies and glorifies Jesus. And as we lift him up, he would draw men to himself. And so what a great opportunity that we have in our culture to continue to celebrate the resurrection, to share the gospel. And so on next week episode, I'm actually going to play an interview between two local church planners here, uh, Andrew Lundy over in Boca Raton with Solace Church and Josiah Graves in Deerfield Beach at the Exchange Church. These are two great guys in our area that have planted within the last year, um, within the last two years. And I shot this video a few months back and just had them discuss and process the first year of their church plants. And I think this is going to be a really cool interview that you're going to love and enjoy. Uh, I just wanted to learn and to celebrate uh, their journey um, and just how hear how things were going from their perspective and, and lessons learned in that way. And so really looking forward to sharing that with you next week. But until then, man, may you continue 
to be filled with faith, uh, on fire, on love with Jesus, in love with Jesus, to be able to preach his message this Easter and make God's gospel go forth. God bless you. I'm praying for you all. May you have a great, great Easter. And may God just fill you with peace and comfort as you plan, as you pray this week uh, to just continue to serve him. Be blessed. Thank you so much for listening to this Leadership Lessons podcast. You can watch all the episodes and get all the show notes at eeleaders.com. If this podcast was a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with your friends on social media. You can find us on social media at eeleaders. You can also help us spread the word by simply writing a review on iTunes or Google Play. My hope for you with this podcast is that it would encourage you and equip you to continue to serve Jesus. Because remember, there's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do.